0: Jesus, you have uh, bought our hearts and you've bought our lives with a great price. And Lord, we owe that to you. Uh, Lord, and help us to understand what that means. Help us to understand your ways that are so much higher than our ways and your thoughts, that are so much higher than our thoughts. Lord Jesus, we just want to give place to the... um, to silence, Lord. And to just being alone with you, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would search our hearts right now. Lord, silence can be so uncomfortable in the world that we're used to living in right now. And we have a world that just bombards us with sounds all the time. But God, there's a spiritual world around us that is just as real. God, I pray you would tune us in to spiritual realities and spiritual truths. And most importantly, your love and your grace that is brought to us spiritually, but yet affects our physical bodies and affects our minds and every part of our life. So God, please just make a difference in us through this, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen. All right, so we're at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And the title of tonight's message is Will You? With a question mark. Will You? Francis Beacon says, It is not what men eat, but what they digest that makes them strong. Not what we gain but what we save that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. And not what we preach, but what we practice that makes us Christians. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We've spent four chapters learning a truth. A simple truth, a glorious truth, a offensive truth. The truth that legalism is bad and grace is good. If you've been coming here for that long, even just to a few, I hope you've gotten that message. It's been a a doctrinal ride Uh, Every week, getting the same thing hammered into us from many different angles. And he's gone through arguments that people would have. And then he took us to the Old Testament. And then he took us to his own example of his own life and to the other apostles. And all these different ways to show us legalism is bad and grace is good. Our efforts are bad. His are good. We are bad. God is good. That simple truth. That simple truth. And now, I, well, I literally believe that, that there is nothing left that Paul could teach us about that truth. He's pretty much hit, hit it from every way that you could imagine. And so now he's going to ask them to engage with this truth. It, it moves from just teaching them doctrine to application. He's going to beg them. He's going to entreat them. Each individual person in the church of Galatia, he wants them to decide for themselves whether they're going to take this truth and apply it to their life. He's going to ask them. He's 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 not just the pastor that stands up there for an hour just teaching you things. He teaches them for a little while and then he asks them to engage the application. As you guys are being used by God in, in teaching Bible studies and doing Women's studies and men's studies and all the different places and husbands teaching your wives. Make sure that you are like Paul and you give a place for decision for people. You give them truth, but then you ask them for decision. Another thing I was going to mention is we're going to be doing the 10 outreach um, in two Sundays from now on the 15th. And that's one thing that I'm committing to all you guys who bring your unsafe friends is that there will be a place and a time, and a very important time in that event, for them to be asked to make a decision. Make a decision. How, what are they going to do with the truth that's been presented to them? So that's exactly what Paul is doing here. And it's not like that, that gray haired old lady, the longtime member of her community church who shook hands with the minister after service one Sunday morning and said, that was just a wonderful sermon. She told him, just wonderful. Everyone you said applies to someone I know. <laughs> not like that. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There's going to be, there is a war in your life. That's why this this whole series is entitled War on Legalism. There is a war going on in your life and my life. This battle between grace, living by grace, and legalism. And it's a, it's a daily battle. And it will take effort and passion and bravery to stand up in this battle. And it's not just, uh, it's kind of like, a uh, the epic battle scene, scene with the hero who stands against onslaught upon onslaught of bad guys and strikes them down and at the end of the great battle scene he's standing there tuckered out but victorious. It's going to be kind of like that and that's how I see you and me spiritually. It's like that this this great hero battle scene. But our enemy is going to constantly attack your trust in grace and your decision to live by grace and not the law. He's going to constantly attack it. So it's going to be great. It's probably many times as we've been studying, you made the decision, yeah, I want to live by grace. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm starting to understand. Trust in Jesus alone for my, my righteousness. I can do that. And for my daily life, okay. But then there'll come a day where it's difficult and the, and the enemy will seize upon that opportunity and he will attack you. And it's not going to be easy. He will attack your trust in Jesus' works. And he will try to get you to fall back to their evil side of legalism and working for, earning, or deserving God's blessing in your life. Working for, earning, or deserving. We've got to understand those terms are evil in our lives, in our relationship with God. We've got to set the boundaries. This is war. And those terms, when it comes to my relationship with God, are not okay. I will not succumb to that type of thinking. The great evangelist D.L. Moody illustrated this point by quoting an old former slave woman in the South following the Civil War. Being a former slave, she was confused about her status and asked, Now is I free or been I not? When I go to my old master, he says, I ain't free. And when I go to my own people, they say I is. And I don't know whether I am free or not. Some people told me Abraham Lincoln signed a proclamation, but my master says he didn't. He didn't have any right to. And many Christians are confused on the same point. Jesus Christ has given them an emancipation proclamation. But their old master tells them they're still slaves to a legal relationship with God. They live in bondage because their old master has deceived them. Deceived them. So, this is a mental and a spiritual battle raging even now as we're sitting here. The world, the flesh, and the devil are all teaming up, fighting for you and me to fall down to their attacks to go back to this yoke of bondage. And Paul says, don't do it. Stand fast. That was like an army term saying, hold fast. You know, I picture, you know, uh, what is it? Like, Lord of the Rings, where he's like, hold, or Braveheart, or some one of those scenes where, he's like, hold fast. You know, he's encouraging his men to stand fast. So again, let's read, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again, with the yoke of bondage what does he mean when he says the liberty what is this liberty that has made us that, that he's talking about what kind of freedom do we have today people live in a headlong pursuit of freedom they think they think of it as doing whatever they want to do and never denying any desire isn't that the way the world thinks right now I'm an American I can do whatever I want if that means cocaine and drugs, then that's what I'm allowed to do. Or any sort of pleasure that I, that I can think of, that's what I'm allowed to do because I'm an American. And that's the way this culture, this world, and it creeps into the church. Saying, hey, we've been made free. And so, they think it's, they can do whatever they want, never any, never denying any desire. This is a kind of liberty, but it's a false liberty. It's not the liberty that we're talking about. The liberty we're talking about is our freedom from the tyranny of having to earn our own way to God. The freedom from sin and guilt and condemnation. The freedom from a penalty and power and eventually freedom from even the presence of sin. Freedom from, for a perfect relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one who brought this plan into action. He's the one who declared this war, who started this fight. He's the captain of our army. He's the one who's the hero in that battle scene that we just thought about. He started this whole mess by firing the first shot 2,000 years ago, making us free. For 4,000 years, man was trying to prove his goodness to God by his actions and in one minute all the goodness that men had been looking for was freely given to all who believe and trust in Jesus isn't that amazing 4,000 years of effort and in one minute he gave it to everyone who just believed so the question is how then how free did he make us not how did he make us free you guys know that when he died on the cross that made us free from the law but how free did it make us we gave him free he gave us this freedom from the tyranny of having to earn our way to god that's our position so he made us free in our position he gave us freedom from sin and guilt and condemnation that's like our possession of sin. He, he freed us in that. He gave us freedom from the penalty and the power and eventually even the presence. And I mentioned all those before. But this just grand, sweeping freedom. That's just amazing. And he says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 15. It's a few pages to your left. So Acts chapter 15 verse 10. So we've been made totally free from the law. We've been made totally free to this tyranny of how we can earn our way. And it's just amazing. And then he says, don't be brought back into that yoke of bondage. So Acts 15.10 says, Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? This yoke is the law. This yoke of the law is a yoke of bondage, not freedom. And it's a heavy load, and it never gets better. That's the point. When we see ourselves saying, my life never gets easier, this this relationship with God never gets better, I want you to examine and see, is that because you're under a heavy yoke of the law? People cannot bear it. Even those who think that it's the right way, will all eventually succumb to its weight, to the weight of its load, and they will be crushed under its grand demands. And we've studied the law. We know that's the truth. But in this verse, Paul tells us that we need to be careful not to be entangled in this yoke. Entangled. And I would, I would suggest to you guys that instead of being entangled with the law and spending all our time trying to weave in the law into our lives, and no, oh, I need to make sure I'm, I'm following the Lord here, I need to make sure that I'm obeying over here, and I need to make sure I'm doing this and doing that and doing this and not touching that, not touching this, not doing that. Instead of all that entanglement, I suggest to you that we entangle ourselves with Jesus. We just let Jesus get all up in our life. Let him go anywhere he wants. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. This blew my mind as I was studying it. In Matthew chapter 11, it's like Jesus knew what Paul was going to write here. (laughs) Probably did. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's take one moment and let's contrast Jesus' yoke with the yoke of the law. One entangles you, the other brings rest. One of them is all about work and efforts, and the other is easy and light. Man, one of them is gentle and lowly, In its master. Its master is gentle and lowly. The other one is harsh and haughty, prideful. The law brings out pride in people's lives. Why do we ever turn our eyes away from Jesus? Why is it even a temptation for us to go from this light and easy yoke over to this heavy and hard yoke? It's crazy. It's crazy once you start to focus on Jesus every moment of every day and you come to that area of life where I need obedience. It's so easy for us to turn our eyes away from Jesus and onto, some, onto the law. But how important it is for us to stay right on Jesus. In Isaiah 61.1, I'll read it to you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is a prophecy. Of Jesus, he says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of, of the prison to those who are bound." This is what Jesus was sent for. He says, "That's what he was sent for—to bring freedom to those who were bound." How many times have we read in Galatians that the law brings? bondage, that people were in bondage to the law until Jesus came. This is a perfect description, and I believe it's talking about the legalistic life. Jesus came to bring freedom to that. And so in every conflict we have, in every fight against sin, are we going to go back to what Jesus did on the cross and think about that and appropriate that into our life? Or are we going to drift back into the bondage of our own efforts well, if we engage with Jesus, He brings freedom. And people think, okay, this is where the rub is. This is where it gets crazy in people's lives because they think, wait a second. When I'm sinning, I need to, I need to fix it right away. I need to stop sinning or else God's going to be mad at me and I'm going to be mad at myself or I'm a, I'm a Jones and we don't, we don't fall in that area. But they don't understand that there will be no freedom from sin found in their efforts. But there is a promise of freedom from sin found in grace. So look in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 10. And it's when we cross over in our way, in our thinking, in our daily thinking from I can do this if I try hard enough, to I just need to look at Jesus. It's where you will see this victory appropriated into your life. And I know you guys have been seeing that, many of you, in your life for many years. And so you're just in your mind. You're like, amen, that's exactly right. When I look at Jesus, I have victory. And when I don't, I don't. But Romans 6.14, look what this says. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. See, trusting in Jesus' works on the cross actually frees us from sin's dominating power. It's dominating power in our life. It's the thing that keeps sin from dominating our life. And so think in your, in your life, or think about someone you know that their life is dominated by a sin. You just look at their life and it's so sad because they are dominated by, by a certain sin and what's 99% of the time their plan of action their way that they wage war on that sin it's I gotta come up with a plan I gotta come I gotta try harder I gotta be better that's the kind of thoughts I gotta maybe if I follow these 12 steps it'll work this time and it's all these human way of thinking okay but yet, our promise here, and this, this is underlined, starred in blue, this is as bold as I can make in my Bible, sin shall not have dominion over me. Now, does that mean I'm not going to ever sin? No, it doesn't. So, we do, we will have certain sins in our life. But I like, my dad told me this about three weeks ago. He said, it's not like, I mean, if someone followed you around with a camera, it would be kind of creepy. But, let's say they were. And they were taking pictures. Maybe they could catch you doing something wrong. And they showed that picture to everyone. See, look! that per- They're a sinner. I, here's a picture of them doing it right here. It's a picture in their brain of the thought they were thinking, and it was sin. Okay. But, if they followed you around with a movie camera, a video camera, what would be the picture of your life? What would be the, the full picture Would you be seen as a lover of God who does sin, but when they sin, they come to the Lord in repentance and they, they love Him, they worship Him. That's what this is talking about. Their life is not dominated by that sin. Their life is dominated by a love for God. That's amazing. So this is a freedom, and it actually is a freedom, to not sin. It is how we get this freedom. Our our brother Peter wrote us two verses that are amazing. In 1 Peter 2.16, he says, As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. So, I'm going to make a statement that's going to... You're going to be like, what? You are free from the law, which means... You are free to do anything you want. And that is the absolute truth. You are free to do anything you want. Are you waiting for me to say something else? But don't do the things in the Ten Commandments. No, you're actually free. You are actually free. But Peter says, as free, yet don't use that liberty As a cloak for vice. But as bondservants of God. As bondservants of God. So if you're a bondservant of God, it's out of love. And you guys know what a bondservant was, right? A slave was one that was owned, right? But a bondservant was one who said, I like living with my master. And so they would take that servant and they said, you want to live with your master forever and be his servant forever? And he said, yes, I will. I would do that because I love my master. My master loves me. I love him. And so they would take it, put his ear up on the, and they would put a, a ring in his ear. And that symbolized that he was a bond servant. He was a slave by choice, a slave by choice. And that choice was based on love because they had a relationship and they all loved each other. And so here, we have been made free. But he says, don't use that freedom to sin. Why would you do that? Why would you break the heart of the person who set you free? That wouldn't make sense. In 2 Peter 2.19, he says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption by whom, or for by whom a person is overcome by him he is also brought into bondage so either you're a bondservant of god like peter, like he said in first peter or you're a slave of corruption a slave of sin and that's what if you, if you're living your christian life and you're okay with sin you're just okay with it that means you're you're good at getting into this place where you're a slave of corruption instead of being in love with god notice it doesn't Your performance isn't the thing that connects you with God. It's your faith. It's your belief. So, this is how we get tangled up. So, Paul says here in this verse, Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, this is how we get tangled. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. And this will be the last place we're going to kind of hang out in this Bible study tonight. Is Colossians chapter 2. Verses 16 is where we we'll start. So this is how we get tangled up. Tangled up. It's going to happen to you, probably. But this is also how we can avoid it. It says, Colossians 2.16, So let no one judge you. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Verse 18, let no one cheat you through of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen. Vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. So that kind of describes fruit, okay? Verse 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why? As though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, and do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. So regulations and our attempts to keep them don't work, no matter how hard we try regulations and our attempts to keep them never work never work and you guys are becoming skilled i believe in seeing the difference in people's lives as you guys have been coming to church on wednesdays and committed to learning the word of god and studying galatians i believe you guys are becoming skilled in seeing when someone is attempting to keep regulations or in love with jesus that's the difference are they, are they trying to do what's right because they think it's the rule? Or are they just deeply in love with God and a bondservant of Christ and just loving righteousness because that's what their love looks like? Righteousness. Verse 23. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion or false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. This is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. One of This is the body slam on legalism. This is the most incredible verse, and it should be underlined, starred in your Bible, let it be however it can stand out to you. Colossians 2.23. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation because maybe it will just open our eyes to more aspects of it. These rules may seem wise. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help. In conquering a person's evil desires. That's the point, guys. That's why legalism doesn't work. Because it doesn't do anything about your heart. It doesn't change your heart. This is why marriages fall apart. Even when they're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, and trying. And the other person's like, I'm sorry, but your heart is just gone. Just wrong. Just wicked. It doesn't change the heart. It doesn't change the heart. And so Jesus, he bypasses the whole deal. And he says, I'm just going to change your heart. And then let everything else take care of itself. I'm going to capture your heart. I'm going to get you to fall in love with me. I'm going to capture your heart. And then I'll have no worries about the long-term effects of sin in your life because you will literally love me more than you love sin. Love. Love is what conquers sin. All such. Le- this is a quote from F.F. F. Bruce, one of the, one of great, a great guy. He says, All such legalistic rules may have an appearance of wisdom, but they have no real value. Legalism doesn't restrain the flesh. It feeds the flesh in subtle, powerful way. In fact, the most rigorous asceticism can coexist with insufferable spiritual pride one of the subtlest and most in, in, tra, intraceable of the works of the flesh. And that's a complex quote that means keeping the rules can be one of the most prideful, wicked things a human being can do. Because you're relying on your own efforts. You're actually doing it in rebellion against God's plan. God wanted obedience to flow out of the heart Not be a work of your muscles and your effort. He said he'll provide the obedience. The obedience isn't the problem. See, he's made us free. He's made us free to just not worry about obedience anymore. He says, just fall in love with me, and the obedience will happen naturally. Naturally. And that is such a freeing thing. When you look at your life and you say, yeah, I have a sin going on and I hate it and I love God and so I can look to him in faith and know that God is going to take care of that. And then it says, in self-imposed religion, self-imposed religion is man's reaching to God, trying to justify himself by keeping a list of rules and Christianity is God reaching down to man through love and through Christ. So, if Paul is asking the Galatians to engage with this truth of Jesus only and grace only back in Galatians 5.1, I'm going to ask you guys to do the same thing. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with this yoke of bondage. Will you stand fast? hold firm to Jesus no matter what the world throws at you and even if your world falls apart and even if you are the cause of it falling apart are you going to hold firm are you going to believe that you're still God's son even when you fall in a sin or are you going to say all is lost God's got to be mad at me now are you going to believe that you've been freed Are you going to believe that there's nothing you can do to add to your salvation? Only fruit that is developed by being connected to the vine or as we read in Colossians as the head of the body is Christ and we're connected to that head and all the joints it says flow out of that and they they all get healing and their power and their strength from the head which is Christ it says. See, it describes how it happens. We're told how it happens. But the problem is, our hearts are wicked. The problem is, we want to be a part of it. We want to say, well, I I did this right. I read my, and it can even be, I read my Bible for two hours this morning. I got to get something good coming my way now, right, God? Instead of just living in the freedom In which Christ has made us free. Where he promises to do everything as we believe and love him. Trust him. Love him. That's it. That's the whole deal. Love him. And that's how you stand fast. Stand fast. Let's pray. Jesus, we... Lord, have a simple message tonight. We looked at one verse to stand fast in the freedom with which you have made us free and to not be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. God, I just pray that that would be the reality and the choice that each one of us in here would make, the actual choice, Lord, that we would stand. Not that we would work for the liberty not that they we would try for the liberty, but that we would just stand firm. And we would just believe that you have done it all and that you will carry it to completion in our life. Lord, we believe the scripture that says, He who has begun a good work in us will finish it. Lord, we look at our own lives and Lord, we're sorry for the sin that we still see there. But God, if Lord, we know that you, you see our whole our whole life. And God, I pray that it's true for every single one of us that we are lovers of God. That we we come back to you when we sin and we repent and we say that we're sorry. God, I've been guilty of awful sins in my life after I've come to know You. And my flesh is real and and strong still. But God, my Spirit does love You. Lord, I pray that You would continue to do work in each one of our hearts, God.